Character Combine podcast. I am Deb McCollum, and as you can see, Josh is not introducing because Josh is not here, so that's his loss. But I do have um, a really cool guest in front of me on Zoom here. Um, Coach Kurt Hines, head football coach at Coronado High School, has so graciously offered us his time to um, just to talk to him today. So, Coach, thanks for being here. How are you doing? I'm blessed. Thank you. Glad glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. It's I. I still, I don't know about you, but I still am not used to this whole Zoom thing. Like, I would much rather have, like, face-to-face, in-person. It's There's something about just over the phone or over the computer. It's just, like, not the same. 100%. And I, uh, we touched very briefly on it just a moment ago, but teaching my fourth graders this past uh, end of the school year, I, I, I spent more time saying, sweetie, sweetie, put your cat down. Put your cat, put the hammer down. And like literal comments I said to my fourth graders, the hour con, <clears throat> the hour Google Hangout with them oh my was God. more, was more exhausting than, than being in the class for six hours. How do you do a Zoom or Google Hangout chat with four, fourth graders, you said? Yeah. How? It, it, it was like the Brady, Bru- the Brady Bunch, you know, that beginning episode with the whole family. And it, yeah. it, it, it was like that and hurting cats at the same time. I can't. It was, uh, I can't even my it's funny my stepmom is a fifth grade here we go we're already get, getting off topic here I warned you about this my stepmom's a fifth grade teacher and she was telling me about her zoom meetings and just how they all like nothing got done because they were all showing her oh look here's my little brother oh here here I painted this today here here's my foot like they just like will just say things so I'm like I don't even like I didn't even want to zoom with my high school kids you know what was interesting I actually I, I gave a, a little carrot to my fourth graders where I said, if we can get through the work we need to Monday through Thursday, Friday, we'll have a short mini lesson for about 25 minutes or so. And then we did a scavenger hunt and it was, it was great because I would go through all my house in the morning and find different items and then just hold it up in front of the camera and you would see all the, you know, all the faces and then they would just disperse, just go everywhere. Wow. halfway into it you'd hear them calling to their mom or dad so the whole family was involved running around the house to to get oh, that's things fine. So that it worked, is awesome it worked out well but i'm i'm looking forward to being back in the class with them yeah it's unfortunate yeah and well and especially we'll get into this but for sports and for football more namely for you it's like yes. it just yeah we'll get into that got a lot of questions and i have some questions from josh too that um that i'll read to that we'll get to um, but yeah, Josh, um, is too cool for us to be here today. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm sure he has yeah. a good excuse, whatever, <laughs> but I told him I would bag on him. Um, okay. So, okay. Before we get started is, um, I always ask our guests warm up questions. So I have three warm up questions for you. They're supposed to be simple. Um, but you know, for some reason, sometimes they're very difficult. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, okay, so the first question is, um, if you could pick one food to eat every day, what would it be? Like a type of food? Sushi. So, oh, wow. Sushi, even for breakfast? 
Sushi. Well, well, I was giving it was either sushi or steak. It was sushi. Oh, okay. Sushi. You can't go. So what's your? So then a follow up question to that is what is your? What's your roll? What's your favorite type of sushi roll? The rainbow roll. The yeah. rainbow roll, which has, you know, it's got tuna, it's got salmon and some white fish. Yeah. Uh, or or oh, wow. tempura rolls, but sushi, sushi is my favorite. Is there a is there a sushi place that you could recommend for down where you are? Yes, I sushi. I feel like I should, I should, should be getting a free meal for saying. This. I know. <laughs> they, they, sponsored. <laughs> they, they have, in my opinion, the best sushi I've had here on the on the West Coast. Okay. Since, since moving out here. And then I so okay, and then so for our guests, really quick. Sorry, I didn't say in the intro. I said Coronado High School, but is that what city is that in technically? It's on Coronado Island. Coronado Island. Okay. Okay. So, so but to give you a little uh, visual for for your listeners. Um, the, when we're standing on our football field on a 50 yard line and I look west, I can see, or east, <laughs> I just moved here five years ago, but yeah. I, we, we can see downtown San Diego, the skyline. Wow. So, so our, uh, from our island, from our high school uh, drive over the bridge, yeah. we can get to, we can get to Petco Park in five minutes. Wow. Or, or 45, depending on traffic. Right. Wow, that's crazy. Well, that's a good, it's a good town you picked to move to. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> good. Pick. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So sushi, that's a good one. And then, okay. So the next question is, are you DC or Marvel? Neither. Neither. Okay. Do you I, not watch I, any of those? No, that's okay. I, I probably just lost a lot of followers and <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm real. I'm really not a. Uh... A big Marvel or DC or comic, you know, type, type uh, yeah. fan. No, nothing against it. Yeah. Uh, but, but neither. I don't know if that's a no. popular answer. It's funny because I get them mixed up all the time. I'm kind of the same. I would, well, I have to ask. I'm like, wait, which one's Wonder Woman again? Is it Mar-? And see, like, watch. We just lost 10 more followers. Me <laughs> DC or Marvel, which one? I, for, I always forget, and I always have to ask my brother-in-law because he is a huge I think DC fan. <laughs> Known him for how 15 years, and I still can't get it right. I think it's DC. Yeah, we lost more listeners, but um. When uh, you said I, when you said DC right away, I'm like, yes, Dallas Cowboys. I've always been. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. So. Oh no, we may have lost more listeners. I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll go DC. <laughs> DC, okay, <clears throat> DC, Dallas Cowboys. Um, and okay, so the last question I have for you. I ask all of our listeners this and it's just, I'm always interested. So I love music, like it's all types of music. So I always like to ask our guests if you could pick one song that's like your life song, like something that's already recorded that yeah. if you think of one, it doesn't have to be like, this is my song, like my life song for my life. It could be like, this is the season I'm in right now. This is my life song right now. Cause it changes all the time. I think. But if you I, I, I want to cheat and ask for two, but I'll, I'll give one. Um, two? I'll let you do two. All right, well, if I can do two, it's easy then. Okay. So, Back in Black by ACDC. Okay. I, I cannot hear right. that song. I don't care if it's a football game, driving in my truck, yeah. a wedding, a funeral. Right. I could be anywhere in life. If I hear that song, I want to run through a wall. Um, and uh, complete opposite end of the spectrum, audience of one. Um, which is like, I'm, I'm, my range of music's all over the place, but I'm a big contemporary Christian music fan. Right. So audience of one, and the reason for that very quickly is if, if I as a coach want to please everyone, I'm going to fail miserably. And if I try to, to from, without getting preachy to your audience, if I try to have an audience of one and try to be as Christ-like as I, as I can be, 
There are still going to be fathers that are upset that their son's not starting, mothers upset that their children aren't starting, but I'm going to best serve those I, I'm blessed to coach. Nice. That's yeah. good. That, those are good ones. You had those fast. Yeah, well, it, your it, head, that's good. They're on my, they're on my, uh, yeah. my, my go-to playlists. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, how, how about yourself? What, what, what's your, Oh no, you can't do that. You can't put <laughs> the question on me. Um, you know what? I, as soon as you, right when you said that, I started thinking really fast. I shuffle through songs so much. Um, you know what? I think my life, and you know what? I don't know if anyone knows who this is. It's also contemporary Christian. Have you ever heard of Super Chick? I have. Okay. I don't, I, I don't think they do much anymore. Um, I, they haven't been on my playlist in a while, but for some reason, this song just popped up in my head. There's a song called One More by Super Chick. I don't think I've heard that. It's super upbeat. It's very like, got it like, I run a lot, so it's a good song to run to, but it literally is about just like, go, like, don't, it's an, you know, it's, I, I'm an ex athlete, so it's about like one more, go further, just one more. Love it. it. That's, that's what the core, I can't think of like what the bridge of the chorus is, but it is just, I just remember listening to that song over and over and over again when I was playing college softball, but so I think it would be one, I don't think anyone's ever asked me. And I've given an answer. So you're the first. Congrats. Well, shame on everyone else. I know. But we, we've had. You just lost more followers. I <laughs> and I could be wrong. Watch. Well, this, <clears throat> like, this is going to be episode like 93 or something. So wow. I could be totally wrong. And someone had asked me that. And what they're never going to want to be on our podcast. Really <laughs> um, but we've had guests turn questions around on us at the end before. And Josh and I are like, oh, no, <laughs> we're supposed to ask you the questions, not us. No, it's great. Well, congratulations. You survived the warm-up questions. Love it. I'm ready. So now we can get into the fun stuff. Um, so we always ask our guests, um, just tell us. I mean, I've introduced you as the head football coach, but just tell our audience a little bit more um, just about yourself, like your athletic background. Um, kind of, I pretty much want a – summed up autobiography of you from the day you were born. I'm just kidding. No, we just, from how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, no, actually, I, I wrote it down. I, uh, I'll just read. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I born, born and raised in uh, the smallest state in the United States, Rhode Island. Uh, just uh, grew up playing football and hockey. Um, fast forward a lot, played college football at a, at a Division three school in Plymouth, New Hampshire, and the reason I say that, and I, I really make a point of that, is I could have gone to several Division One schools and been a great tackling dummy. And, and I mean that sincerely because I loved football, but I, I try to empower our players now and, and ask them, do you want to go to college so your mom or dad can wear a sweatshirt, or do you want to continue playing for four years? And, and I, 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 I don't ever want to be that person that discourages them from their dreams, but we all have to be realistic about our abilities. So I played Division three football and uh, met my wife in college. Oh, nice. she, uh, she was never married before, but she had a, a daughter through a previous relationship. Mm, okay. I just found this out yesterday. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so, so I was actually, <laughs> I, I was actually uh, in college working at a daycare center. Uh, oh, my, okay. my major was elementary education, so working at a daycare center was a, a natural fit. And uh, met our daughter, Hallie, when she was a year and a half old before wow. I met my wife, Jill. And wow. uh Got married. She she had been married for 26 years now. She's my best friend. Oh. We have uh, four children, three daughters and one son. Wow. Uh, from the ages of 22 to 29. Wow. And, uh, 
two grandsons. Yes. Yeah, so, so we, I've, I've coached high school football for 23 years now and uh, was a head coach in New Hampshire of a brand new high school that uh, my first year as head coach, we had no seniors. Oh, uh, that's I, right. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And we, we actually set records my first year as head coach. Wow. And, that's great. Yeah, well, no, it was for getting beat up more than any other team in the state of New Hampshire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you fell for that one. Um, <laughs> I kid you not, though, in all seriousness, Deb, we, we would, at the end of every game, I don't care if it's softball, football, whatever, you walk through and you shake hands and you say, good game. Good game. Yeah. No, one even, no one even lied to us. We walked through and shook hands and teams were like, great field. This is beautiful. I'm like, we're <laughs> that bad. They're not even going to lie to me. It's a good game. Um, but we, we ended up, uh, you know, losing every game my first year as head coach. Mm. to winning two games to my last four years, not I, but we built a powerhouse. We had 144 players in our program. We had been to the state championship three out of my last four years. Um, And, and I thought, man, this is it. You know, just, just my wife had her dream job. I had mine teaching and coaching. And then our oldest daughter who had moved out to San Diego to go to school. Right. Had gotten married and uh, she called one day and said, I'm, I'm pregnant. And my heart left. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a grandfather and a relatively young grandfather. And then my heart sank because I was like, oh, we're moving. Because I knew we didn't want to be grandparents on the other side of the country. Gotcha. So yeah. we, uh, five years ago this August 1st, uh, sold – I always say sold everything, but I'm a school teacher, so we sold both things we had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a teacher. I appreciate that, right? Joe. <laughs> uh, so, so we, we sold what we had and, uh, moved across country and, uh, all four of our kids live out here now, uh, within 15 minutes of us. Mm. Our two grand, we have two grandsons now and they're three miles down the road from us. Um, very and then cool. I, I, I took over the head coaching job here at Coronado High School three years ago. So that's, very that, cool. that's a okay. very brief, leaving out a lot of, uh, good and bad, uh, stories from, uh, in between those things. Uh oh. Okay. Well, maybe we, well, I want to any, any, anything's game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's crazy though. Um, so you, so I was, I was, you were, you told me this earlier before we started recording, but I was like, this is a good, that's a good town to move in. San, the San Diego area. So yeah. Well, yes. So we, we don't live in Coronado, but we live just 20 minutes away. Um, and it, it's funny because I love, I'm an optimist to the core, loved our lives back in New Hampshire, but I hate the cold. Hate mosquitoes, and New Hampshire has plenty of cold, plenty of snow, you know, plenty of mos- mosquitoes. So, um, the, the the naysayers or the negative side is the politics, which is not pretty out here, um, and the cost of living. But it's worth it. it, it, it it's uh-huh. re- really for us that the quality of life. You know, we we sold a four bedroom, five acre house and plot of land back in New Hampshire, wow. and now we're in a not tiny but a comfortable right. townhouse out here. But I, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, it, it's, right. you know, we love it. That's awesome. Yeah, you can't beat the weather either. No. And the beaches no. and stuff. Oh, it, it's, we're, 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 we're 20 minutes away from some of the best beaches I've ever been to. That's Love great. it. Love oh it. Gosh, my, I have a best friend that lives in Carlsbad. Oh, yeah. I always joke that I'm going to move in with her and her boyfriend because they live right around the corner from a beach and they like, I don't know how they, they got a sweet deal on this apartment a long time ago. And I don't even know how they're, I'm like, how did you get this place? They're like, Oh, we just got it. So anyway, so I'm always threatening that I'm going to move out there because yeah, it's beautiful there. You should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just backing it up to how you said the, um, the high school that you started at here, right? Where you are right now, right? Yeah. Coronado. Yep. 
that no seniors. Oh, no, no. So, so that, that was when I was the head coach in New Hampshire. Okay, New Hampshire. Okay, so my question um, about that is I I have friends, and I'm, I'm, and I'm sure you know people, and I know other coaches, too, who um, are starting out as a head coach, and there's just not a ton of um, talent or a ton of, you know, uh, student athletes involved in it, um, and they're kind of restarting, you know, rebuilding the program up from the ground up. Um, I guess, like, what kind of advice could you give to them? Because that's that's rough to yeah. just kind of it takes it takes a while to build a program. It it, it does. You know, I, I think the advice I would give is it's funny when I applied for the head coaching job back in New Hampshire, the brand new high school. It was a was and still is a very affluent community. A lot of doctors, lawyers, business owners, and the administration had asked me. They said, Coach, if you get the job, how long before you're in the playoffs? And just being younger and, and more naive than I am now, believe it or not, um, without hesitation, I said three to five years. And both the principal and the AD laughed at me. And I'll never forget it. And it wasn't a derogatory, but they're just like, eh, whatever. Right. Um, and after losing our every first game, every game our first year and only win two games our second year, there were a lot of naysayers. Um, but I believed in what I was – not what I was building. I believed in my vision and what we were building. Right. And we made it to the playoffs in year three. Um, we, we got our teeth kicked in, but we made it there. <laughs> Progress. But, but I, I think the reason I, I share that is I moved out here, and this is tying back to your question, and my line coach, who's one of my best friends now, became the head coach when I left okay. back in New Hampshire. He called me the Saturday morning after my first game out here in Coronado as head coach where we got destroyed. Now, the program here in Coronado is 100 years old. It's just it needed a rebirth. It needed a rebuilding. And he's like, hey, Hines, you've been there before. You know, how long do you think it's going to take? And I, knowing him very well, uh, I said, Derek, you're going to hate this answer. I said, but it, years ago, I would have said one to three years. Now I, I, I'm a firm believer it's one relationship at a time. It, uh-huh. it's, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in that. You know, it's, it, Deb, this is the first, first, first time we've met, but I've already felt like, hey, I, I want to make sure I'm connected with you on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Yeah. For for me, I, I think life is all about relationships. And I think when you build a relationship and, you know, we we as coaches always deal with or talk about helicopter helicopter parents. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, and I think what's the best way to deal with helicopter parents? Love their children. Yeah. You know, and, and they're still going to be there. But I, but I think if, if the young man or young women come home and they're talking excitedly about coach and yeah. about what you're pouring into them, I think a lot of, not all of them, but a lot of parents will see the value in, hey, whatever happens on game day or Friday night or whoever's starting, that, that's a byproduct of all the other successes we're having in the classroom and in the community and everything else. So I think the advice I would give them is, A, know their why. Know why they're doing this. Because if it's just for wins, we're not going to last long. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, share their why. Make they're, sure that, that the coaches. do it for the money though, right? Sorry. Well, <laughs> The money's and all the time, the money and all the time off, right? Yeah, um, keep going. <laughs> no, well, it's funny because people often ask, they're like, oh, do you, what else do you do instead of coaching? I'm like, listen, if I were a single bachelor and just coach, I couldn't afford to live for two months. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. But you know their why to share their why with their assistant coaches, with their players and families, um, and, and, and to just build relationships. Yeah. I, I think anything lasting and worth its while in any aspect of life is all centered around successful transparent relationships yeah that's great just because and and i'm guilty of this but i feel like a lot of 
young young or new coach, like, you know, younger or newer coaches that step into a program. Oh, hold, hold on one second. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's the second old joke she made. Um, she said young twice. Now I'm going to hop off here. Yeah. So I'm going to head out. I, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I said young or new. Oh, wait, no. That, that's right. I got, I will just stop talking before you really hop off. Josh I'll, I'll, like, I'll, 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 I'll word it for you. Any coaches that aren't moldy, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> they tend to, I'll just say new. Any new coach, <clears throat> they tend to come across as kind of hard ass y. Just yep. to like, they, you know, and I'm sure not all of them do this. I, I think I did it at first too, but whether you're an assistant or a head coach or whatever, you kind of, they feel like they need to like set a precedent, set an example, boom. And like, and, and I've seen it too with younger coaches like now and I'm looking, I'm like, Oh no, don't do that. <laughs> like I did that. That does not oh. work. And so I think it's super important. It, like you said, for them to know that you just have to build relationships and that takes time. Yeah. And, and to your point there, a meeting I'll never forget. So backing up once again, the end of our first year as head coach, I told my assistant coaches, we're never going to have a meeting on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of my coaches were young coaches, fresh out of college, playing Division One ball, many of them. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's what football is. I'm like, no, I, I'm married. I got young children. They've got to have balance. I don't, I don't want my family to ever resent football and have me lie to myself and the community. Like, oh, it's all about the kids. Well, I'm for lack of a better word, screwing my wife and children and forgetting about them. And I've seen too many divorces where people pride themselves in, oh, yeah, they're football widows or softball. You know, no, you know, we're really trying to teach and bless and empower young men, young women, and help build character and teach them about being more successful in life. Right. Let's, let's teach them about balance. Um, so at the end of my first year as head coach, we had a coaches meeting talking about the X's and the O's and stuff. And then I asked my coaches, and I knew I was opening a can of worms, I said, not that I'm going to change just for the sake of it, but what's something you would like to see me do differently as a head coach? And the whole staff was there, maybe 12, 14 of us. And it was an awkward silence for about 30 seconds, seemed like 10 minutes. And one of my coaches said, I don't think the kids respect you. And I could feel myself just get heated. And uh, I'm like, all right, well, give me an example. And he's like, I don't know, Heinz. They just don't, they don't respect you. And you could just see other people like not want to make eye contact. I'm like, so I went through the game. I'm like, do they come to practice late? Are they leave the weight room or locker room a mess or the field? Do you hear them talk back? Are they you're being disrespectful? Or, you know, he's like, no, no, not all that stuff. He was, and then he paused and he said, they're not afraid of you. And I felt such a peace come over me. And I said, okay. those are two completely different things. And he was a very, he, he was and still is a great coach, but he was fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. He goes, I think a head coach should be feared. And I said, I will never agree with that. I said, because when I have a young man whose parents just got divorced, he fears me. He's never going to come to me. If he's suicidal, if he's coming out of the closet and he gets a young woman pregnant, all these different things that life are going to throw at all of us in one form or another, the the, the fear isn't going to do anything. It might make you feel good as a coach because they're a yes coach, no coach, but that's that's not why I got into coaching. Um, And got got in my truck back in New Hampshire and was driving home after the meeting, and two of my assistant coaches called me shortly after and said, Kurt, don't ever change because that's why we're building the program we are. But I I had some doubters. Um, and that coach I mentioned, like we're, we're great. We're actually going away this weekend to Palm Springs. Okay. Love, every, love everything about him. He helped me become a much better coach with X's and O's and different things. Nice. And he and his wife have told me that I've helped him see that there's a lot more to coaching than just sports. So you, you're right. I, I think as coaches, and in all seriousness, we talk about young coaches or old coaches. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been asked often, like, hey, what advice would you have for young coaches? 
I had to really take a step back as I reflected on that question because <clears throat> there are coaches my age and older who have coached for 23, 30 years who are still so young in their maturity as coaches because they've never coached under, in my opinion, a good coach. Mm. You know, if, if, if I've always coached, if I've coached for 20 years under a bully, narcissistic coach, mm-hmm. then I'm a young coach. I need a lot of, I need a lot of mentoring. I need a lot of leadership, in my opinion, to get on track about what this is really about. Right. So I, young or old, I, I think we all can yeah. still learn more. Yeah. I think that's, ve- that's very interesting and that's really good for our listeners to hear because I think a lot of the majority or, you know, majority of our listeners are um, high school coaches and, um, and, you know, some of them are new and I think it's just good for them to hear that. Yeah. It's not going to work always if you step in and you're just the hard ass and I've seen it and you've seen it probably to where like, yeah, like mm-hmm. they, you know, the coach brings down the hammer, but at the end of the day, kit, the players don't go to that coach for what, if they need stuff, they go to the assistant coach or a different coach of a different program or something. So I think that's super important to have that connection. It, it, I agree with you. And I think you can go both ways too. Cause I, another big mistake I made is, as part of us losing every game my first year was we didn't have any seniors. Mm. Part of it was, part of it was our playbook was this thick. Mm. And we did, wow. we, we ran all the plays horribly and it was my fault because I was trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was because I didn't delegate enough and all this. And I look back at my, my first year as coaching as a, as a, as an assistant coach and I wanted to build relationships, but not in the best of ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, to the detriment of the program, I want to be too buddy buddy. I didn't want to call a player out for dogging it. Okay. Or if I saw someone cutting a corner, I would look the other way and pretend I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I think it's important also to share with other coaches, young or old. Yeah. When we talk about building relationships, and I, and I always want to say in my, I say it often, in my opinion, because this is not gospel, this is not fact, this is just my opinion. Um, but in my opinion, it's about building relationships where you love your players enough, where you hold, them, you hold them accountable. And I'm not saying tough love, like we have no squaring policy in our program, but I'm saying be tough on your players, but they better know if I, if I get on a player and not in a derogatory way or demeaning way, Right. But they better know I love them. They better know. And I had every, I had every practice and a half for years by saying to my team, I love you guys. Mm-hmm. And I had a new parent to our program say just this weekend, we were speaking over the phone. He was, yeah, Hudson and I were talking. He's like, I, I couldn't believe I heard coach. I was talking to them in their car. I said, hey, love you guys. And that just stuck with them. And this is a pastor of a church. Okay. And, done. and, yeah. and I said, I said to him, I, I said, you know, it's funny because I know some young men are like Hudson. They hear it all the time. But some of our young men never hear it. And if they do, it's not coming from dad or it's not coming from a male figure. It's just, you know, so I, th- I think it's important for us to, to be honest and be transparent with, with our players. And for yeah. some of us, oh it's God. say I love you. And for some people, it's that's not who they are. So don't say it and be fake, but just let them know you care. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point, too. Just because you don't <laughs> you don't want a new coach to go all the way to the end of like the spectrum of, OK, I'm buddy, buddy with you now, because that's not going to work. That actually might be the losing respect part sometimes Completely, yeah. buddy buddy with them so that's really good advice and you mentioned you played collegiate softball correct yeah i played at a junior college in merced i don't know if you've ever heard of merced i think oh, people yeah. <laughs> my, my back tattoo is actually <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, um, I wrote the, the two exits that you go past merced to get to fresno <laughs> towards you, you. yeah yeah um, um yeah but, but I, I i think also athletes we, you and I talked about, you know, they don't want to always want that hard guy or girl coach that's always on them. 
they'll go, they're going to go to some other coach. But I think the greater majority of athletes that are really passionate about the sport they love yeah. also want to be held accountable. They want For to sure. be coached. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I've, I see, I mean, I've seen that firsthand. Like I've had athletes come to me and, um, and just either thank me or I've seen them co- go to another coach and, you know, in, in front of me and thank them for holding them accountable. And, and sometimes we're like, really? Like, okay. Yeah. Thank you for making me run those suicides. I really, I didn't, I, I did this wrong. So I like, I did. No, no yeah. but, um, no, that's super important for sure. Um, so just your whole demeanor is super positive. And I know that that is something, um, about, you know, that, that's a quality that you have that is a, um, some, that's good for, um, your character in terms of coaching and for anybody, um, if that made sense at all. (laughs) (laughs) There goes my brain fart. But anyway, what I meant to say was you're a super positive person. So, where does that come from and how, what can you say to people? Like how can other people stay positive during this time? Because this pandemic has taken a hit on athletes and coaches everywhere. And sometimes it's hard to stay positive right now. Yeah. No, first of all, I I do appreciate that. And then whenever I hear that, it truly, it's, it's humbling because that, that's what um, I went to a lot of acting classes to pretend to be this way. I'm I'm the most pessimistic person you'll meet. Thank you, thank you. No, I, I I've I've always been this way. Um, I've I've always been an optimist. But for for me, in addition to my faith, which which I'm not going to go you know down that road preaching to anyone. Um, I think all of us need to have something that we hold on to, whether it's yoga, meditation, faith, rock. You know, there's something, something to be our rock, whatever, um, the universe, whatever you call it. I think there's going to be something. I think there's power in understanding that no matter how powerful you are as a woman, how powerful I am as a man, that we are not the be all and end all. Life was here before us. It'll be here after us. And that our time's limited. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I've been accused of being too optimistic before, you know, by, by a good number of people, but it hasn't failed me yet. You know, I, I had a coach one time in practice, my same first year, that first year. I always go back and truthfully say my first year as a head coach was my greatest year to date as a coach, and we lost every game. And it was truly my greatest year to date because it really solidified my why. Mm. You know, it's it's easy to coach when you're winning. It's easy to coach when everyone loves you. It's easy to coach when you know every time you're walking to or from practice or a game, people aren't questioning who the heck you are and why you're there. Yeah. That year, that year in the middle of it, yeah, sucked. It was hard. It was hard. It was hard. It was hard. But um, it, it was a real growing moment for me. Um, and I had a coach in practice one time that said, hey, coach, you got to calm down. You're acting like one of the kids because I get very amped up in, in the weight room or on the field. Right. And I looked at him and I said, no. I said, this is who I am. And they said, well, what happens in a game when we're losing? I said, I'm going to be the exact same way. I said, that's just who I am. I just, I don't, it's just, that's who I am. Um, you know, my first year as head coach, we had two practices where at the end of practice, and I've also changed my practice form where we don't condition at the end of practice now we work into our practice it doesn't make sense to me to exhaust your muscles and then condition um so that's a whole nother conversation but we had two practices my first year where not back to back but where the players thought all right hey practice is over we're gonna do our really hard conditioning we played dodgeball and kids loved it and my coaches hated it they were (laughs) they they were furious with me They're, they're like why are you doing that and in the coaches after afterwards, um, one of the coaches called a meeting. And when you're a head coach and the other coaches call a meeting, it's usually not a good thing. <laughs> I've learned. Right, like, yeah. um, 
so they're like, you know, the kids are out there laughing and joking around, like, you know, and we're, we're 08 right now or what, whatever we were. And I just listened to them. I'm like, guys, I'm like, I have a biased opinion. I said, football's one of the toughest sports out there. When you're getting your teeth kicked in week after week after week, our kids should be having fun. And if they're not, half of them aren't going to come back. And they, they need to have that. And I don't think anyone believed in that except for myself and the players. Right. One of the greatest successes in the following year, even though we only won two games, was we had 24, 25 more players come out. Part of that was because we had a senior class. Okay. But we had more kids come out. And after winning only two games that year, we had about 25 more kids come out the following year. So the, what we were building was more than just a football team, in my opinion. It was a community of people that wanted to work hard, be together, and be part of something that was greater than, than themselves. Right. right. Yeah. But so that was a very, very long answer to your question. No, um, okay. But advice for other people, I mean, yeah. I, I heard a quote, and I want to make sure I say this is not from me. This is someone much smarter than me, but I read a quote years ago. That said, if we all threw our trouble, if we threw our troubles in a pile with everyone else's, we'd grab our, grab ours back in a heartbeat. Mm. And I think about that even during COVID right now. I have a cousin who's since passed away, but mm. he's one of the cousins, probably about seven years older than me. Mm. He was just a stud athlete in everything. Like he picked up a basketball, volleyball, football, golf club. He was just one of those natural athletes. Just, just a, a blessing of a human being. Right. Got into a car accident and became a quadriplegic. Wow. Grown man couldn't dress himself, couldn't feed himself, couldn't go to the bathroom himself. And, you know, when I wake up now, my shoulder's sore, my knee hurts, and my back's sore, my neck. It's just, if John was still alive, and I, I'll never forget this, he would have traded places with me in a heartbeat. Mm. You know, and so, so I think no matter what we're going through, um, there's, uh, there's a reason we're here, and, and, and it's to, to build up and empower and bless others, and being miserable is not the way to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great answer. Absolutely. We, um, uh, I used to, I've taken a few years off of coaching softball, but, um, we would, uh, my coaching staff and I, we would call the girls that do that are, you know, super pessimistic or we're like, stop being an energy sucker. Yes. Everybody wants that vibe. You're bringing everybody down. And that's not because, you know, as we all know, you know, sports is a mental game mostly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, once you get in your head and then if you like teammates feed off each other easily. And um I mean I don't know if it's a girl thing, but especially girls <laughs> girls uh, feed uh, off each other. So um yeah, we would always tell our athletes to stop being energy suckers. Yeah, well um, it's it's and I've I've heard the same thing said before, you are you're a fountain or a drain. Yeah. You no, know, and, and yeah, it's, it's just I, I'm a firm believer to, to that point that every time you and I, every time any of us walk into a room, yeah. we're adding or taking away from the energy. Yep. That's very, it, it, that's it, I don't think there's any ground. You know, we're, well, and you don't even realize you're doing it sometimes. And so right. it's, it, it's, it's really smart to teach athletes that how, how, how they carry themselves. It's not just about them because, you know, I think as human beings, we are naturally, we're selfish by nature, right? That's just, you know, that's the, like the first kind of natural thing we do, but, Obviously, you know, selflessness can be an acquired trait over time and just practice, practice, practice. So um, I think it's super important to and it sounds like you teach your athletes that um, to not be energy suckers. <laughs> I, I, I try to. I, I actually had one year where um, to try to prove that point to, to the team. I had our coaching staff. We had a brief meeting before practice. And I said, guys, don't don't say a word to any of your groups. I said, but I want our first 40 minutes of practice to be the worst we've ever had. And they were looking at me like, what? 
I said, let's not jog out to the field. Let's not like, like I step on the field and we do our condition. I'm just, I'm just loud by nature. I, I feel like I'm the same person in the classroom, truly my fourth graders as I am on the football field. <laughs> nice. <laughs> just, just more animated. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm just louder. Yeah. But, uh, so for the first 40 minutes or so, I said, Hey, until I blow the whistle and get the whole team together again, I said, just go into your position groups and just go through the motions. And, and I said, without making it obvious, just, just, just kind of just go through it. And we did that and brought them through it. I was like, what's going on with practice? And just the whole team together, I was, you know, what's going on? Why are we so flat? And see the kids looking around. And, um, I told the coaches what we were doing. I said, the problem is us. And I pointed to the coaches. I said, we came out here with lackluster energy. And you could see some kids like get it. He started to click, like, looking uh, at the coach, okay. like that, that's why you were so, you know, so low. Uh, and to say, listen, huh. you know, it, it's not just the coaches. It's all of us. You go to your positions and you go out there and you're not bringing the energy. Whether you realize it or not, you're affecting everyone around you. Wow, that's such a good idea. I, yeah, I would love. I would love to say that we won that following Friday. I don't. I don't remember if we did or not. But <laughs> I remember that practice. Hey, but I think that that's a. I think every team, every coaching staff should do that at least once, and just just so they can see. Because you know, as coaches, we see it, right? Yeah. Like I could see it, my girl in right field, like just slump and I'm like oh my like are you kidding me you know they don't notice their body language and how they carry their energy so I think that's super interesting to have the coaching staff do that and have the kids see it yeah well and one of my biggest pet peeves as as coaches with coaches is when you hear someone in the press box like oh so-and-so doesn't know how to tackle or so-and-so doesn't know how to this and I think listen they don't know how to do something that's on us maybe they can't do it as well as someone else but we've had certain games I think we all have where you just feel like pregame, you're like, oh, this isn't going to be good. Like the energy is just not there. And it's taken me years to get there. But I've realized now that if we're on a Friday night and I feel like, hey, we're really flat right now, chances are somewhere along that week I was flat mm. or, or, or our coaching staff was flat or, or our team was and I didn't correct it days before. Wow. You know? So, so I, I, it's, it's important. I think I always ask our players. I asked them at practice just Monday. I said – I, I made a joke. I said, who knows what a rhetorical question is? And a few of them did, fewer than I wished. But uh, I said, listen, I said, if you guys sneak out of your house at night and your parents catch you sneaking back in and they ask you, do we look stupid? Don't answer that. That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> There's no good answer. Um, and so, so I said, I have a rhetorical question for you. I said, other than yourself, who did you make better today? I said, just think about it. And I said, because if we're only coming here making ourselves better, we're missing the whole point of football. You know, our goal has got to be help to make a teammate better. If you see a coach that's down, make him better. Call them out in a positive way, build them up. Um, so I think as coaches, we need to do that, especially as model yeah. that. Right. Really right. look for opportunities. Yeah. Ooh, that's so good. Um, I think, I mean, I'm just thinking right now, that's something that, like, I even, like, you know, as a, as a, I won't say young, but as a new coach. <laughs> When I, a while ago, I didn't, I wouldn't even think of that as a coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't, I wouldn't have thought of, like, my girls are looking at me and feeding off my energy. So I yeah. think that is excellent advice for coaches. Um, I, so right now, this, I mean, this whole year has, <laughs> here, here I am being an energy sucker. This whole year has sucked. No, um, I mean, it's been hard, right? And so yeah. every, everyone's doing the best they can. Everyone is in a lot of crappy, you know, positions and situations right now. But um, how, so how have you, I want to know how, as I'm so excited to talk to a football coach for the first time, just because of the CIF, the new schedule that came out. Um, So pretty much football is going to be in the winter. Correct. correct? 
And so, um, every, and everything's all, everything's moved around for now. Right. Like we're right. crossing, we're praying and like crossing our fingers that, that it's not, it's, that's going to happen and that they can play. How have you, what has been your approach to just kind of mentally preparing for that change, that shift? Um, what's your approach with your coaching staff and like, you know, how to, um, you know, talk to your athletes about it. What has that been like for you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is beginning of the pandemic. I want to, uh, I, I, I still have, I'm being very transparent now. I have, I have a bad, I've gotten a lot better over the years than I was, not better than someone else, but better than I was of, um, utilizing my coaches and, and empowering other coaches. But <clears throat> I used to, when I first started coaching, if I had to miss, usually I'll miss one practice a year when it's like parent teacher conferences that I can't miss. Okay. Um, and I would call my coaches or one or two of them and say, Hey, how, you know, how'd practice go? And they'd be like, ah, not as good. You know, it's just, it's different when you're not there. Mm. And as a younger and more immature coach, I wouldn't say this, but in my mind, I'd be like, yeah, dang right. It's different. When I'm <laughs> but, but then I, I had a come to Jesus moment when I was, uh, speaking at a clinic in Utah a few years back and I was flying there and we hit some bad, not bad. We hit enough turbulence where I was like, Oh, all right. And kind of made me pause for a minute. Yeah. And I thought to myself, God, if something happens, you know, I started thinking about my wife and kids and grandkids and stuff. And I'd want them to thrive. I would, my wife's my best friend, but I would want her to find someone else that was there for her in every way, every day, whatever. And I thought about it as a coach, like, man, as an immature coach, yeah, I want practice to be different when I'm out there. Mm-hmm. As a coach that truly loves my program, if I, the way I say I do, I want them to thrive. If I'm not there, I want, I want to hear from my coaches. I, I say this now truthfully to my coaches, make me jealous. I want to come, I want to call you and be like, coach, best practice we've had. And I'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. What am I not, what am I not doing right? What, you know, what, what, you know? Um, so when this pandemic started, I made it a point to reach out to every one of my players personally. You know, the easy thing to do is email all the fans. Right. And then I called or texted or private message, depending on the, the platform I thought the players would respond to best. Yeah all the players. Then we had a coach's meeting and I said, Hey, listen, let's divide up the team. I have an amazing uh, assistant head coach. who's just, a, he's been here for 18 years, applied for this job. Oh, head coach, you know, didn't get it. And I'll tell you right now. And he, you know, I had friends that said, Hey, watch out. This guy that's staying on that there for 18 years, he could be staying there to undermine things or just to whatever. Right. Complete. I mean, I realized that was a possibility, but he, he's just a salt of the earth, an amazing coach. He, uh, he broke the team up, um, and gave, uh, each coach a certain number of players. And I said, Hey, reach out to each player, please. And I said, please don't add, don't mention the word football in your first conversation. Just ask them how they're doing. Because for some of us, this pandemic is a horrible inconvenience. Right. You know, the beaches are closed. This store is closed. I can't right. eat at this restaurant. For right. some people, for some people, it's, it's life threatening and not even because of the COVID, but because of anxiety or depression or fear or fighting between mom and dad or abuse, whatever it is. So we reached out to the players. My big, since then, my biggest message, and we, we've talked about this for years, but two things are to be where your feet are. I, I think most, to be in the moment, I, I always say be where your feet are, but I think most of our stresses in life come from things we're thinking about in the past that we can't change or in the future that usually don't happen. And I'm as guilty as the next of playing through scenarios in my mind of what I'm going to say to this person or how this is going to happen. And that usually never happens. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, just so being where your feet are, you know, right now at this moment talking to you, my life is perfect. 
you know, my, 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 my family's healthy. I've got a job. I'm not wearing this right now. <laughs> you so, just hung up a mask. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> life, life is great. So, so to be where your feet are, I think there's real power and beauty in being where your feet are. And, and this is the harder one for me because I think I'm really good at being where my feet are, controlling the controllables. Mm-hmm. You know, as a football coach or as a, as a softball coach, we talk about it all the time. In other words, you're in a game, listen, can, do your job. Control the controllables. We throw an interception, great, we're on defense now. Control the controllables. Take care of what we can. It's easier said than done when the government comes out and says, hey, these are the new restrictions. This is closed. This is how long and this is why. And you can do this, this, and this. It's hard, I think, especially for coaches because we're so used to having practice plans, game plans. Mm-hmm. We have things down to the minute. And we have, you know, we we're, we like to be in control. Right. It's hard when, when you're mandated. Right. Say, hey, this is essential in your life. This isn't. So re- really, you know, modeling that for your players, I think that's one of the best things we can do. Um, when they're working out this morning, they don't have to wear their masks, and I don't want them to. I'm wearing this mask the entire time coaching. If I was told I didn't have to, I wouldn't, but I'm wearing because that's what I'm told I have to do. At the end of practice, I tell them, hey, guys, keep, put your mask back on until you leave the field. Mm-hmm. And then I tell them and I say it because I know there's people around listening and I say it really loud, really loud. Cause I would, I've always told my fourth graders and players, <clears throat> anything I say to you, you should feel to say to your parents. Like, you know, just, just, I don't want any parent or, or player to think, ah, well, coach wouldn't say that in front of mom and dad. They wouldn't say that, you know, in front of an administrator. Right. Um, I think that teaches a, a horrible lesson, but I tell them nice and lesson. When you leave the gates of our field, do what you think you and your family think is best and safest. Because we know politically the, the whole nation's all over the, the road here. Right. <clears throat> so, so I, I think one of the best things we we can do as coaches is respect the fact that for some people, this is all political. It's all whatever. For some people, this is like the scariest thing they've ever faced. Yeah. And, and to really to to support both sides in that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's been <clears throat> well said on all that. By the way, just to. I like your example of for some people, it's a horrible inconvenience. Like I can't go to, you know, I can't go sit inside Starbucks and be on my laptop (laughs) or, or, you you know, some, you know, it is life threatening. And, you know, like you said, not, I mean, it just anxiety and stuff. And, um, and I, I I know people on both sides, of course. And so, but it is, um, you know, I, one of my friends told me one time she, cause I, we were talking and I said, you know, we just got to take it day by day. She goes, no moment by moment. Like she, like, and that, that <clears throat> like, okay, because like you said, <clears throat> looking back in the past is kind of a waste of time and looking into the future when it hasn't happened. It's like you're worrying. It's like you worry about things that haven't happened yet. And so what's the point? Because what if that never happens? It's right. Like you wasted all that time worrying. Well, so yeah, yeah. And, and I'm a firm believer in setting and achieving and working towards goals. I, I'm a firm believer in <clears throat> Vision boards. I, I do this thing with my, uh, I've done it with my football players too, but with my students yeah. <clears throat> where I have them close their eyes and I say car and I have them open their eyes and say, what did you, what, what came to your mind? And they'll say a red Corvette or this or that. They go through different things. And I'll say, when I say the word car, I think of a black truck because that's what I have. Interesting. When, when, when I have them close their eyes and I say dog. Right. And they open their eyes, they'll mention the dog they have, the dog that neighbors have, the dog they want, the dog that bit them one time. And the whole point of that and the point of this is we're visual creatures by nature. We don't think in words. I, I very rarely have someone say, I thought of the letters C-A-T or D-O-G or right. C-A-R. We think right. in pictures. So uh, when, when I 
when I say be where your feet are, I'm not passively saying, hey, life will work itself out and all that. Right. No, we, we've got to work hard. We've got to have goals. Right. But in the midst of all that, there's joy in the moment to be where your feet are. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when you said that, I literally <clears throat> had a visual of my feet on the ground, but it made sense to me because I'm like, because this is where I am right here. So, yeah. Uh, like you said, visual, right? Yeah. yeah that was good. Um, before I ask a million more of my questions that I have, I guess <laughs> I should ask you one of Josh's questions. <laughs> yeah. That he sent some questions, and I'm, I mean, I've already asked you some of them because they're questions that I would have asked you anyway, but specifically from him, just because. And I kind of, I'm kind of ashamed to say I haven't read this book yet, but, um, so he said, um, that you mentioned in an article that your favorite book is Inside Out Coaching. It's right behind okay. me. Yes. Okay. By Joe Ehrman. Is it Ehrman? Did I say that right? Ehrman. Yes. Ehrman. Okay. Um, and you know, Josh mentions that Joe is one of the main reasons, um, that character combine started. Um, I don't know if you knew that, but what, no, great. what drew, so what drew you to his message? <laughs> in that book. Yeah. It, um, and I asked you just the other day, Joe Ehrman retweeted one of my uh, videos and I, I was like a little, you know, 13 year old, you know, Oh, nice. Get all excited. Wow. Um, so if you haven't read the book, I strongly, I very highly recommend it. He, it's really an autobiography in, in sorts. He tells, you know, some horrific things that happened in his life, but what drew me to it, two things. One was his transparency to tell about some, once again, real, traumatic things that happened in his life and how he grew and learned from that. But so have you read it? I have not. My roommate okay. has it. I was telling her about it right before, you know, hopping on here and she's yes. like, Oh, I have that book. It's a great book. I'm like, okay, I better, I'll borrow it from you because <laughs> yeah. I have not read it yet. <laughs> so he, yeah. he, in a very simple way, breaks down all coaches, any sport, any level mm-hmm. into two categories, transactional, like a bank transaction. Okay. Where I'm going to come to you, Deb, because I know I can get something from you. Okay. I know you can you can benefit my agenda okay. or transformational where, hey, even though you don't know how to put your helmet on straight, even though you're, you're, you run like a wounded fawn or a baby giraffe or whatever <laughs> you know, certain players run like um, to, to, to understand that every coach falls into those two categories. Mm-hmm. The coaches that do things for players only because they can benefit their own agenda or right. coaches that understand it's not transactional, it's transformational where I can use my platform as a coach to change lives. Wow. Um, and, and I refer to his book often because truly I, I, I feel like I've always been a transformational coach. I don't ever feel like I had a hidden agenda of trying to use people to pad my resume as a coach or to get to somewhere else. But <clears throat> it's uh, it's changed the way I interview people now. It's right. changed the way I, I, when I interview people, I no longer ask for a letter of recommendation and I don't because if you've ever applied for a job, are you, oh, I'm sure you have, are, are you ever going to hand over a recommendation that's not glowing? No, no. So, so, <laughs> I, I'm sure I could interview, I could interview Jeffrey Dahmer and he's going to find someone to say something good about him. Oh, you know, really, really <laughs> loves people or, you know, right, um, right. but uh, maybe that's a bad example. <laughs> but uh, what, what I do now is I, the first time I meet with someone to interview with them, I just talk about life. I don't even want to talk about football. And then I asked them if I, if I get a good vibe, I asked them back to the weight room. Mm. And it's funny to see the reaction. Some of them right away get defensive or kind of, you know, just stand backish. And they're like, I don't know anything about strength and conditioning. I'm like, that doesn't matter. And they'll be like, well, what do you want me to do? Just come into the weight room. Just, just hang out, talk to people, work out, do whatever you want. Okay. And I've had both instances. I've had people that talk about how they want to help young men, young women 
through life. They want to empower them all. They want to reach all the studs and the, the ones that are struggling. And it sounds great. Then they come to the weight room and I see them gravitate towards the studs and stay there the entire time. Walk past this, walk past the real skinny kid or the real heavy kid or whatever it is. Um, and then I've seen people that kind of gravitate toward, toward the little quirky kid first and then go over to this person, then go over to the studs, then come back to this person. And that for me shows real true colors about what type of person they are. Wow. Um, yeah, so to, to Josh's question, I love that book because for me, it, it hits on so many different aspects of, of, in my opinion, why we should be coaching. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that, I mean, that's a great follow up to my next question. So, um, I mean, what you just said pretty much the, who you're interviewing, that pretty much showed their character, right? Yes. Of who they uh, are. And so, I mean, this is obviously the character combine podcast. So a question that we always ask our guests and then, um, you know, as, you know, as a coach for you, what, what is character to you and just how important is it, um, obviously to you and your program and your, uh, your coaching staff and just like what you guys do and how you teach that. Um, so just tell me briefly, like in your own words, what is that to you? And then how do you display that throughout your program? Yeah. Uh, for me as an opportunist, character is a great buzzword I can make money off of. I don't care about people. I just want to make money. But if I can use that platform, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> No, sure, it, every time you get me, I'm like, is he serious? Okay, no, he's joking. Um, you know, it's, 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 there have been so many, so many sayings, you know, characters, who you are in the dark, or it's who you are when no one's watching. Right. Um, for, for me, character is your heart. You know, it, it's just it, it, strip away our titles, head coach, assistant coach, first year coach, veteran coach, strip away our race, our religion, everything else. What is your heart? Really, you know, and, and I often tell my coaches, I, actually one of our first coaches meetings we have every year, I talk about, you know, the interview questions. I, I don't care, once again, if it's sports or any walk of life. I feel when people interview, they go there dressed to the nines. They go there with their best face on. No one comes across, or I, I should say very few people, I believe, come across as pessimistic or Debbie Downers or whatever. Um, and they all say the right things. We, it's, it's about fundamentals. Blocking, tackling, setting, throwing, catching. You know, we want to teach the fundamentals, teach the basics, and make them better people. Mm. And then the proverbial crap hits the fan where you're Friday night lights and you're losing this game and you see a completely different side of a coach. You're like, whoa, that's not that's not who they said they were. Right, so, right. You know, for, for me, character is your heart. Yeah. In the good times and the bad times. Um, and I th the second part of your question was how, how do we work with the character in our program or? Yeah. Like, um, how do you, I guess, how do you take that into account when you have your team in front of you or I guess <clears throat> you have to cut someone? Or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're in an interesting dynamic here at Coronado where it's a, it's a very affluent community, but we also have North Island, which is the naval base. So oh, okay. I have families and players coming and going all the time. Wow. So it's, 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 and I don't think, and I, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but culture, I think the culture of a program is never a one and done. I think too many people with the best of intentions slap a saying or a poster on the wall, get the t-shirts and say, that's our culture. Mm. And, and just assume three, four, five, ten years later, hey, that's our culture. Nobody said that for years. Right. You know? um, so I, I think in addition to cool sayings, yeah. And posters. And those things are great. I'm not knocking those. You know, one of the ones in our weight room is, you know, competition breeds success. I'm a firm believer that, you know, competition breeds success.
but also on the back of our helmets, we have a little sticker that says just a three-letter word, why. And I think there's such power in why. Why are you here? Why are you doing this? Why are you cheating on the test? Why are you cheating on the drill? Why are you going to the party and not hanging with your friends somewhere else? Um, I think all of life comes down to relationships and why we do things. Um, I think the greatest way to create culture, as cliche as this sounds, is to live it. You know, um, I, 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 I gave a podcast a while ago and I asked the, the, it was a viewer, it was one of these, you know, uh, there, there were like 40 something people on it. And I, and I said, I said, what, what are, what are words you describe? You know, words you use to describe a loving parent? Mm. No, no, I, I said successful, a successful okay. parent. Yeah. And, and they said loving, caring, devoted, present, giving, understanding, listening, all these things. And I said, what, what are the words you would use to describe a successful coach? And they said, well, competent and knowledgeable and tough. And I said, shouldn't those words be the same? Mm. In my opinion, a successful coach should be loving, caring, listening, present, all these different things. And I think the culture of a team, um, I, I, and I'll be very careful here. I, I know I said nothing's off limits. I, I've been blessed to coach with and under and be coached by some great coaches who love people and love the game. And I've also coached with some jack wagons that use people for their own game. Um, and, and, and some of the programs that have, I've seen that with the worst of interactions where people are being bullied, they had the best shirts, they had the best logos, they had the best sayings. Um, and on paper, they had tremendous culture. But I, th- I think culture, how you, how you do it is you, you, you share it with them. You share your vision, your why, but then you live it out every day. And that, that, that my, my greatest why for being a head coach, truthfully, you know, we make jokes about the money and all that stuff, um, is to have the power, which I know can sound like an arrogant comment, but to have the power to hire people that I want on our, not myself, but our staff. Because, I mean, if being a professional athlete, in my opinion, automatically made you a great coach. I don't think there would be a sports team, high school team or youth team in the nation that didn't have every former professional athlete as their coaches, yep. you know? Um, so I, I want to be able to have the power as a head coach to surround myself with mm-hmm. other men and women right. that love people first and then love football. Cause I can teach them football drills. Right. I can teach them how to teach a drill, right. but I've had coaches that know football really, really, really well, but don't give a rat's tail about people. Right. And that's just toxic. And that makes all the difference in the world. Exactly. I agree. Well, and like, and just, you use, I mean, you use the word power and it's the same thing, but like coaching is also a great, it's, um, it's a platform. Yes. Right. It's like that, that is, I mean, you know, the same thing, like what you said, but it's just a, it's a platform for us to like, Hey, I have the power slash platform to, you know, to, like you said, hi, you know, have the right staff around me, um, to, to really input knowledge, impart knowledge on these kids that, you know, life is not just about the sport, but it's about life after the sport and yes. just what kind of person you're going to be. Because, um, in the end, you know, just this, uh, you know, this podcast, that's what it's centered around is that winning goes beyond the scoreboard. Um, and, there, Josh always says this, so I'm going to steal it from him. I'll give him credit for this, but he says that most coaches, um, or excuse me, athletes at the end of the day don't say, Oh yeah, I remember coach because I remember coach because we won this game and we killed this team. Blah, blah. No, it's, Oh yeah. Like I love coach and I remember my coach because of what my coach did for me. My coach 
gave me a snack in between classes because I didn't, you know, because I was hungry or my coach gave me a ride home or like just the memories that yes. you know, they've created. So and I try to tell our, our players and our coaches all the time, if the only thing I do as a coach is make you a better athlete and win games, I failed you miserably. Yeah. I, I failed you miserably. Are, 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 you, you mentioned the word platform and I completely agree with it. I, I put something on Twitter yesterday or the day before about, you know, high school sports being essential after coaching for 22, 23 years. Yeah. And a lot of, not, not that I was looking for sport, a lot of support, but a lot of people is attacking me um, right. and, and saying, well, no, they need to be in school first and school is more important. And I said, listen, I love teaching. Done it for 25 years. For me, football is more important. And, and the reason I said that, not, not football, sports, high school sports, because we have a platform. My students have to be in my class. Mm-hmm. By law, they have to have, whether they're homeschooled or not, they have to have some type of formal education in the United States. Right. They have to sign up for school somehow. They don't have to play softball. They don't have to play football or basketball or baseball. So we have an audience of students that want, the great majority of them want to be there. And, and we all know you can say the same thing, um, Deb, that your mom or dad have said for 20, you know, not 20, they're high school teams, but 15, 14 years to your, stu- your players. But because coach said it, they're going to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And it could be the exact yep. same message, but they're they're going to listen to it because because Coach Hines said it or or you yep. said it, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a powerful platform that I think is I think too many coaches don't understand the amazing blessing it is to have a platform that. How many times have we heard people say, "Man, I, at the end of my life, I want to know I made a difference." Man, oh. at the end of, at the end of every day, I, I wake up every morning saying, "God, help me to be a light. Help me to be a, make a difference. Help me, you know." And I I know at the end of every day. I can look myself in the mirror and be like, you know what? I was selfish today. I didn't. I, I didn't take that time. I didn't do this. You know, and, and there are many days like that. But I also have the opportunity every day to be like, yeah, you know what? Today, so-and-so came by my office. I spent an hour just before our podcast today. One of my former players came in. Spent oh, about, nice. it, it was great. Spent about an hour and 20 minutes with him talking about stuff that's going on in his life. And uh, so we have opportunities every day if we choose to use the platform yep. correctly. That's true. That's very true. Well, and then another platform is like this, like, you know, our podcast here, Character Combine. Um, but you also have a podcast, yes? Yes. Yep. Okay. And it's called, um, it's called For What It's Worth Coaching. Yes. Right? So when yep. did that get started? I mean, I, I know we have to wrap it up soon, which sucks. I was hoping to keep you on here for about five minutes. <laughs> but um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, re- real briefly, and I appreciate you mentioning it. Uh, a good friend of mine I met through church. Uh, he's a baseball coach. Um, we have nothing in common as far as sports, but what we have in common is a passion for empowering other people. So it's just, uh, as we, as we say, it's, uh, just two coaches opinion on what matters in our opinion most. And it, it's centered around the same thing. It's just talking about topics of everyday life, uh, not necessarily football or baseball, but just athletics from a coach's standpoint, from a player and a father's or parent's standpoint. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. And, um, yeah, so I, yeah, I was stalking your Instagram and <laughs> I was looking, I was like, oh, he's got a podcast. Very cool. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure our listeners knew that that's out there. Um, so that they could listen to it. Yeah. Because if it's anything like this, like they got to listen to it. They don't, they don't necessarily want to listen to me all day, but I'm sure they'll listen to what <laughs> Um, you know, so, I mean, I have so many more questions for you, but I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sure you guys will edit this. I actually got, I got a promote. Oh, no, I wish I got a promotion. I got a notification. <laughs> notification here. I, I thought my other podcast is at 1230. My other podcast is until, is until one. So, uh, 
Okay. I, very. I, I can keep going for a bit. Well, here. So here's a. Well, here's another question. Is um. So you. So you're a high school coach, but you teach elementary. Yep. Right. So why? So what was there a? I mean, okay. I guess because I tried teaching elementary PE for a second, and God bless their cute little <laughs> souls, uh, but I just could not. And so, and so I, you know, I'm at the high, I, I do better with high school kids. I joke yep. around. And, um, anyway, so how is that balance with teaching the littles and then coaching the bigger kids? And which I, one do you like better? <laughs> I, I, I love everything about it. So I, I got into teaching first, taught, okay. taught, taught for, uh, three years before I became a head coach or before, before I became a coach, period. Um, they're not different for me. And what, what I mean by that is truly, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm the same person. I yell and scream a lot in football, never derogatory, not putting someone down. I'm just very loud and animated. But I, I've been blessed over the years to have say, certain administrators or parents say to me, hey, their little fourth grader, their little child, always hated school, now they love it. Or they always thought they couldn't do math or reading, whatever. And I'm not a better teacher than anyone else. But what I do do differently is and I, I've been judged by this. I wouldn't say the woman's name, a, a coworker years ago in New Hampshire. She she knocked me in front of some staff. She was well, yeah. I don't know how you, you get through your curriculum because you spend 20 minutes a day on the floor and talking to them and just just being friends with them. And I said yes, one every day about 20 minutes. I sit in the floor with them in a big circle and we just talk about life because yeah. I I had a seventh grade math teacher um, who sat on his desk at the beginning of every class and I hated math. Um, and he would just talk to us about life and he would say, Hey, Kurt, how's football going? Hey, Deb, how's softball? Hey, you know, and I remember sitting there as a seventh grader, seventh grader in a class I hated thinking he cares. Yeah. He really cares. And I, I don't remember what I got in that class, but I know I passed. Um, but, but that changed my trajectory forever where I was like, I want to do that. And then, um, you know, thought of football. It's just, I, I just love football. The reason I, I, I teach elementary school is, is I've been certified K through eight. So I've always taught first and fourth grade. Right. Football for me, I don't think I could coach elementary football. Okay. Um, right. Because for me, part of the, the things I love, I love everything about football. And, and it's interesting to see some parents' faces when I say this. Um, I love the relationships. I love the chess match. I love the game planning, the practice, the weight training. I love the violence of it. I, I love you know, it, 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 it's a it's a violent sport, but but I, but I, I do I do love that of it. And yeah. youth football is is it's like once again hurting cats. So yeah, oh for sure. And I mean like I, so like I said, I elementary PE. I would my I would try to describe it to people because they're like, well, you really didn't like it. And I'm like, well, it's not like I didn't like it. It was just challenging for me. I said, think think about twenty kittens are in front of you, and you got to get them to hold still. And heard them and listen and have them listen to you. So for me, at least that was in my glasses of what I was seeing. I was like, yes. Oh my gosh, they're going nuts. But I mean, the upside was they loved PE, whereas high school kids, not so much. So there's that, you know, give and take. But, um, but yeah, so that's interesting. Um, I just wanted to hear the elementary and high school. Oh, and, and you, you did ask, I, I won't dodge this question. I used to feel guilty. Okay. So what, what do I like best? Yeah. Uh, tr- truth be told, if, if I were to win the lottery or somehow if I could just coach football now, I, I would do that. But I can't see myself not, if, if that would ever happen, not wanting to somehow yeah. Volunteer or do something with, I yeah. mean, the, the great thing about elementary school for me is, as you mentioned with PE, 
we, we talked about this about being a fountain or a drain or an energy sucker. Right. If you, if you go into class and you can get them excited about anything, yeah. you know, if, if you bring the passion, you can get them excited about anything. Whereas high school, that's not always the case. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, like I said, those little elementary kids just running and screaming and running towards me and, you know, they're, they're clashing teachers like, bye, you get them for the next hour and then they leave. Yes. You know? And they're so excited to be there. Um, and then I get my high school kids where, I mean, they're, some of them are walking slower than a sloth, you yes. know, from the trend to transition to, you know, and I have to like hype them up to get them all excited. So, you know, it's a give and take. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's just all about, you know, how, what kind of a difference can I make? Even if, even if it's just one sentence that I say to one kid today or whatever, or just listen to them if they're, you know, if they're having a bad day, just letting them vent to me as I'm walking to, as we're walking to the next station. Yep. So, I mean, I think that's super important as it for coaches and teachers. So exactly. yep. that was awesome advice. Um, so what if there's what I'm going to let you have the floor for this last. It's not necessarily a question, but it's just if you could have the floor of like anything else you want to say to, um, I don't know, any advice for new. Notice how I didn't say young coaches, <laughs> new coaches or um, I guess just coaches and athletes going through this pandemic um, or just in general. If there's one last few bits that you could say the floor is yours. Yeah, I I think I'm a firm believer once again. I, I mentioned this earlier, but to, to know your why, you know, it, 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 I I think too many coaches chase logos, and what mm-hmm. I mean by that is that they always think they're going to be happier or more fulfilled coaching at a bigger school or a college or professional. Um, and if you truly love the sport you coach, and if you're truly in it to bless people, you can be in a small podunk town in the middle of nowhere or you can be at a division one school somewhere um to, to to know their why know why they're doing it um to to make sure they have balance in their lives you know I, i've i've talked before about not chasing a championship ring and losing your wedding ring mm, you know I, I, right you know it's just uh make sure your family doesn't suffer from your coaching right uh, I, i've been blessed where you know my, my wife and my children and now my grandchildren come to yep. every game and stuff and um, and, and I think just advice, just sports specific is, uh, but it applies to everything is, is be true to yourself. Right. Uh-oh. Coaches or football coaches at the highest level collegiately or professionally. And they think, well, I, I need to dress and act and speak like that. And that coach, you know, he or she doesn't crack a smile and they have this relationship. And if that's not who you are, that's, don't don't be that. Not every coach can be the rah 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 coach. Right. Not every coach can be the hard guy or hard woman or um, right. just just to authentically be yourself. And I, I think the beauty in that is letting players realize that you can be a stud player and also be part of drama or be in the debate team or be in ROTC or whatever it is. And take pride in the fact that there, there doesn't have to be a stereotypical successful coach. Right. Or a player, just be yourself, and that that's going to give freedom and liberty to your players to be who they are. That's awesome. All great things, Coach. Thank you. I, again, I wish I could. I always say this. I'm like, you got four more hours, so we can talk <laughs> for four more hours. But um, I appreciate your time. I do want to be respectful of it. But um, gosh, I like, I would love to have you back on at some point. 
Um, and then I'm not going to invite Josh on because he lost <laughs> yeah, being here he today. It'll just be you and I again. I'm just kidding. He would love to talk to you, I'm sure, too. So we would love to have you back on sometime in the future. I'd, I'd um, be honored. Yeah, sweet. Thank you so much. Um, Coach, where can our listeners follow you on um, social media sites or website or something? Yeah, uh, on uh, website is Coach Kurt Hines, just uh, Coach K-U-R-T-H-I-N-E-S. CoachKurtHines.com uh, on Twitter and Instagram, and I hate to say this TikTok, although I'm not dancing. <laughs> I am, I am not positive, but uh, on on all those apps, it's Coach Kurt Hines, and uh, I jokingly say, but there's truth to this. On Facebook, it's just Kurt Hines because too many of my high school buddies would be like, "Wait a minute, what's this Coach thing?" You know? What's oh yeah, 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 yeah. Facebook is always different. Facebook is always like a different kind of name and you can be a little more informal on the other ones for some reason, but yeah, I get yeah, it. So it's uh, yeah, at coach Kurt Hines. Okay. And, and I will, I will say if I, uh, if we're not, if I'm not following you back, please send me a direct message where I make sure. We're, oh yeah. I, 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 I appreciate this. I, I know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guest on your podcast, but for, for me, this is what makes life worth living and just connecting with other great people. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you too. Totally agree. I know Josh appreciates you too. So I'll well, say, I don't know I'll say on behalf of him. He's not here. So I don't know if he appreciates anything. Exactly. <laughs> he does. He's very unappreciative. I pretty much carry the podcast on my shoulders every it's day. Evident. I'm just kidding. He, he actually, I'll give this to him. He actually does all the tech stuff. So I like to joke with him and say that I do everything and he doesn't. So now, have you guys been doing the podcast together since day one? Yes. Yeah. Do you, uh, coworkers, co-coaches, like how, how do you? So, yeah. So people always ask us like, how did you guys get together? So, um, I'm friends with his wife and his sister. Okay. And so like, we just, you know, we're hang, we met, we met at church at a Bible study and we were just hanging out. And then, um, I started going, you know, we started having dinner dates between me, um, his wife and his sister. And then there was one time where we rotated and went to, um, you know, the, uh, his sister's house and everyone was there. Anyway, that's how I met him. And then he found out that I, you know, like sports and I played sports. And then, so he kind of, um, it was funny because he, he texted me one day. He's like, hi, um, uh, you know, this Josh, you know, uh, Rachel's husband, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, hey. And he was, I thought he was asking me to be a guest on a podcast or his podcast. And I was like, sure. And then I went to his wife's baby shower and I told her about it and she went home and she's like, Josh, I don't think Deb understands <laughs> that you want her to be a co-host. I think she thinks she's just going to be a guest. So there was a, there's a little mix up there. So here we are 90 something episodes that's, later. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. So congratulations. So this is the first solo episode I've done with a guest. You, <laughs> I thought you, I'd tell you, you right now. <laughs> you were awesome. You Congrats. Were awesome. Thank you. Actually, I take that back. I had a, I had an episode where I talked to two other ladies and me. So that was, there were three of us, but so congrats. You're the first guy. I appreciate it. Yes. Appreciate yeah. It. Thank you, coach. Um, you guys, you can follow us on Twitter at sports character, Instagram at character combine, Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube. And I think that's it. We have a lot of social media sites and I always, and I always have to ask Josh, is that it? And he's like, yeah. I think that's it. So I'll tell, I'll tell you, I, I think any coach or any person now that's not using the platforms, they're yeah. free platforms. Right. They're, they're, whatever your message is, it's, it's a great way to connect. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. So 
take advantage. I love that you have TikTok. We have, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta get, I gotta get Josh into TikTok. He's not gonna like that at all. So he's not gonna like that idea. But thank you so much, coach. Oh, I, I, well, I was gonna say, I, th- I think the way to sell it to him, for lack of better words, is start off by asking him, hey, do you want to broaden our audience? Okay. And he there says, yes, like, I have another platform you want, you want to, because that's what it is. I, yeah. I, you, well, we, we can end this and I'll ask you a question, but. That's okay. It's all good. Well, no, I'll say that to him and then he's gonna say, well, great. You can do that then. <laughs> right. I'm going to be stuck doing it. It'll be fun though. Anyway, either way. Um, well, thank you so much, coach. Um, we appreciate you having on and, um, uh, yeah. Thank you. You're, you're <laughs> awesome. Any of these things. It's well, all. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> all right, coach. Thank you.